Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nerf This, the esports show that's got some new digs. Yeah, we're finally not in a closet. This is beautiful stuff. We have been upgraded. E-League is paying the big bucks. They've moved us to my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a swank, swank nerd nerd den we're in right now. It, it is. There's air mattresses in the corner. It's like one step better than a flop house is what we've got going on here. Yeah. yeah. Just as scary to many other types of women, I guess, if you were to bring them back here. All the Funko Pops. <laughs> Unless they're a Funko Pop fan, I guess. You know, as I sit here, it didn't really hit me until I had everything in the room. I have way too many Funko Pops. I was going to ask, is, does Funko Pop actually make wallpaper? <laughs> because I can see more of it. And maybe it's even a cheaper hobby just to redo your entire wall and Funko Pop wallpaper versus attempted doing it by actually buying know, figures. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got Disney ones up there? You have a problem, my friend. Oh, I didn't even... So here's the best part. That's the first I've seen that one because Blue got that for me <laughs> and I didn't realize you brought it over today. Our friend... Uh, yeah. It's a Scrooge McDuck. We forget this is not a video show. No one has any idea what we're going right, on about right now. You can't just point to it now. We're in the same room and you're already pointing to things, but... Yeah, we're in trouble. Sadness. And I don't have any of my esports ones in here, ironically enough. They're all in the living room. <laughs> That's right. <There's> literally, <laughs> this is my Disney Funko Pop room, and this is my one for 80s cartoons. Like, got it. <laughs> got I, have, I have a serious problem. But we're not here to talk about Funko Pops. We are here to talk about the esports. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about how League of Legends might need to sell their Funko Pop collection because they are <laughs> running out of money. Uh, World of Warcraft is trying a different approach to esports again. But first, we're going to talk about Fortnite, as we always do. This is the Fortnite esports show, apparently. But they have done the seemingly impossible, and we now have cross-platform play right. on the PS4. They've influenced Sony to actually allow people to carry their data for their account across platforms. I, I, I in all in all honesty, it's kind of isn't it a little bit too late now? Has, haven't people just decided what platform they're going to play it on, and do they really care at this point? It's almost like coming back and being like. Hey, look at what we're doing. And you're just like, well, yeah, you've already screwed everybody. Well, yeah, because people were either like, you know what? I'm okay with just playing with PS4 players. And then they'll get the pleasant surprise that some of the people they're playing, they probably wouldn't even notice, are playing other platforms. Or they weren't on the PlayStation 4 to begin with, and they didn't move over to the PlayStation 4. Well, yeah. And now, especially with, uh, is I think it was the Xbox recently, I think it may have been with the accessibility piece, you could actually use like keyboard and mouse too. Yep, yep. Now... So now you can't even... One step closer to being a PC. Yeah, right? And that was one of the the lures of uh, the PS4 is you could hop over there, play with a keyboard and mouse, and screw over all the other technical console players. Yep. Uh, But now, if it's cross-platform... You can screw people cross-platform. There you go. 
That's it. It's like Second Life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Throwbacks. Second Go. Life. Just showing my age. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I never really understood Sony's reasoning to begin with, and I get what it is. Sony's reasoning is we're the dominant platform, and we don't want to give anybody any excuse to not play on our platform, and if they want to play Fortnite, we prefer they come play it on the PS4. Right. But Fortnite was the it was a weird game to draw that line in the sand on because it was just so overwhelmingly popular that it was not going to really make any difference. Well, yeah, I mean, they tried to claim that they wanted to keep the online experience that Sony is known for just to Sony players, and that it would be sure. they would be corrupted by the other fourteen year olds playing on other types of platforms, right? Those damn Xbox players, right? It, it wasn't. I'm sure it was a technical thing. It was very much a probably a it was a combination of a technical thing and just a policy thing. They didn't want to give it up. And because once you do give it up, now you've got to give it up to everybody, which is what Microsoft jumps yep. on the bandwagon. It's like, cool. How about that Minecraft crossplay? <laughs> um, and just kind of joking around about it. But I mean, there are some people, even like if you look at Blizzard, uh, they're still not even doing it right now with Overwatch. Right. So. And the console, and and I don't know that they could, because when it comes to Blizzard and Overwatch, the console lags behind significantly from the PC when it comes yeah. to patches and releases, and we do know that they've made some concessions in the code on the console side, for right. example, like how the the turrets work for Torb and a few other the auto-targeting mechanisms that they change because mm -hmm. it's, it's too OP on console, so it does make it interesting that they can't do that, but Psionics is another company that I very much think would benefit uh, from this because Rocket League is a game that, again, like being able to do cross-platform across all of the games would be huge for a company like Psyonix because they can bring that entire ecosystem together and it doesn't matter what platform you're playing on and you don't get this weird stuff like we see with Hi-Rez mm -hmm. and having to do like Smite and Paladins and have like Sony and then Xbox and like we gave them a lot of credit because they had rigged up their own way of being able to allow you to play quote-unquote cross-platform when they would do esports events right, right right and just to have that built into the game is pretty big for some of these esports especially yeah i think it's it's definitely a move in the right direction I, if sony sony needs to realize that uh especially from an esports standpoint and and as games get more i could say competitive or popular and especially with this whole uh battle royale thing where they're wanting to dump 100 people in there People want to play with their friends no matter what their yep. what, what their console they're on. They want to be able to, to take it with them. They want to be able to hop onto a switch and be able to play what they've you know they've they've worked through on their PS4 at home or their Xbox at home. They want to kind of carry all that around. And I get that. I also get the fact like you want to gate people to using your payment method on your platform. That's something totally different, and I yep. can agree with that. I get it because your money transactions are different. But the gameplay is largely dictated by developers, and to have it locked down because of a policy is really just kind of just – it's archaic in, in thought. And especially with all the console console wars kind of sort of just being done with right now. Like, who cares, <laughs> right? Uh, unless you're in the it. IGN comment section, you really don't care about right. one or and the somebody's other. Somebody's like, Xbox is better. Than, I'm currently wearing an Xbox. I own a PS4, too. Like, what do I care? Like, it just it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I just get annoyed with it because, like, I have to own both just because I can't get, like, a certain game on one console or the other. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the different ecosystems. I uh, like different ecosystems better than others. Uh, it's I, The problem is, is now you've, you've allowed it. You've historically said no. What does this does this open up the floodgates? Because right. if you were Blizzard now, 
and you're in the middle of a Torb remake, and Torb was one of the main reasons why consoles lag behind. Do you just remake Torb so that you can have all consoles on the same type of build, right? Like, do you right. change those things? Yeah. Um, or would you design a game differently? Or if, if you're building a game, an esports game essentially now, and it's in flight, it's in development, do you change how you're doing it based on the fact, like, okay, now crossplay is available? Or like, do I need available. to design something that com- that compensates for consoles limitations or mobile's right. limitations? Right, because normally when you build any kind of game and it's specific to a platform, you build you optimize towards one platform. When you have multiple platforms and you can build for them simultaneously, you have like a target spec that you go for. So it could change development considerably. Knowing that, well, I could build one game. It could save a ton of money building one game instead of working. Uh, in tandem on, on on multiple console versions i mean it's it, i think it helps sony out in the long run because they it might even help them from the, an exclusivity standpoint like people may be less likely to buy into one because one of the reasons why you you essentially jump in you say i'm going to build this game solely on xbox or it's going to launch on xbox first is because you can pare down development and focus just on that that build yep. And now if, you, if you're like, well, it doesn't matter, I don't need to do that, exclusivity deals, make it, you make it more difficult for your, yep. your people to buy into it because now those, that money has to go even higher because you're saying, well, you're literally just I'm giving me money to not sell somewhere and I only need to read that benefit. You, if you've already got like a leg up on the competition, like you're only helping yourself by going opening things up. Yeah, and I don't know, it's it's weird too because you do run into the Switch problem, for example, right? Because the Switch, harder system to develop for for no other reason than you have to compensate for the game to be playable both on a large screen and on the portable screen. Like one of the challenges I have with Rocket League is when I try to play Rocket League on the go, if I don't have a TV to plug it into, it's a very hard game to play on that tiny little screen. And so they often have to stagger the releases. So I still think there will be a certain degree of like, let me pick the system that is best for me to develop on to begin with, and then back into some of the other systems. Mobile's another one, right? Like we we kind of take it for granted because Fortnite and PUBG have come to mobile fairly easily, and people are okay with the limitations that it has. But other genres may, or other game developers may have challenges doing true cross-platform play and including mobile. Like there's no concept of a Call of Duty Black Ops Blackout mode on an iPhone at the moment. Right? right, and they have to do different work there. So it's it's very easy to look through it through the lens of Fortnite and say, like, look, it's look at this. Here's a perfect example of how cross platform can work, and it's literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. But not all games are ever going to do that, right? There's, we're never going to see Overwatch on mobile. I don't think we probably never even see Overwatch on the Switch. And right, but there's still parts of the cross platform story that are important because we do want to be able to play it on the console. Like I bought it on the console to begin with because at the time that overwatch came out, I did not have a PC built and I have like, for example, the exclusives that I got with the pre-order that I don't have in the PC where I primarily play because that stuff doesn't go over there. So there's different versions of cross platform. The purchasing thing you mentioned is a huge, huge point because Sony wants to make sure that if you're buying Fortnite skins and they're getting their cut of the pie, that you're right. doing it on Sony's network, where now it's not guaranteeing it. And in a, and this isn't going to happen, but they could end up in a scenario with, say, like the cheapest place for them to do this is on like iOS, right? Say that the way Fortnite's set up mm-hmm. on iOS, there's no cut. And so the Epic ends up trying to drive all the traffic 
to buy things on mobile, right? Do promotions for buying things right, on right. mobile. And then that skirts all these other systems, and then those developers are making less money. And for a game that is free to play, right. you have to look at, like, how much money am I really going to make by more people playing Fortnite on the PlayStation Network if they are playing it on other platforms or not buying the game and they're buying all their skins on mobile? Well, and if you also look at it, uh, if you ever run into something from a development standpoint and you have to make the choice of, uh, you know... It, this it, Sony's being problematic or it's more difficult to do it for that build, you could see them just leave that build behind a little bit, right? Start lagging behind, doesn't get the latest features, all simply because you can service maybe 75% of your audience by going PC, Xbox, Switch, mobile, whatever it may be with the, the same build, but you've got to do something special for Sony every time, so they're going to get the last thing. And it could slip. I don't know. I mean, it it, it may or may not be the actual case, but... In the long run, I feel like I'm almost wondering how much Epic really did kind of lean on Sony. Like, you need to do this. Yeah, I wonder if it's more the fans than it is the than Epic themselves, right? Because does Epic yeah. really care? I mean, other than one thing we do is worth pointing out is there was what happened when crossplay came out and people who had Sony accounts were locked out. Right, right, right. So obviously there was some. And they had to do a, and they were working on a hot fix to solve that, and I get, and that's all good. Like I, I completely get that portion of it, but I do think there is a certain degree of like, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I was primarily playing Fortnite on the PS4, and I had friends that did not have a PS4, I would put some pressure on. But from an Epic standpoint, I think you're right. I don't know what real benefit at this right. stage of the game there is for them, other than just trying to please their fans. Well, I mean, if you lean on Sony to to make it easier for development, I mean, it could have been like I said, they could have been like, "Look, it's costing us extra money to be on your platform because we gotta fix people getting locked out and so on and so forth." Like, maybe that is, I don't know, I I, I don't know if it's something they could play into it. Either or, I I feel like Epic probably has, uh, well, Epic definitely has some sway uh, when it comes to any platform, any any kind of hardware developer now at this point in time because everybody wants to buy in to the Fortnite craze. Yep. Because there's money. They're printing money and they're throwing it away. Which is kind of mind-boggling because, real quick on this before we move on, but I, I think what is interesting about this is the numbers for Fortnite are great, but they're not any... They haven't reached in a lot of ways the heights of Minecraft, which still does not have cross-platform play. So it's kind of mind-boggling that, that so the craze of Minecraft did not push people into this, but it was Fortnite. And I don't know if it's just because the timing is right and it's another example, or it could also be the money involved in Fortnite versus the money involved in Minecraft. The microtransactions are a much bigger driver in a game like Fortnite than they are in Minecraft. But from a pure number standpoint, like Minecraft still beats out Fortnite in a lot of ways. Well, I I, I will say more than likely uh, Mojang didn't probably push for it as hard. Like I, I feel like that wasn't a huge priority for them, maybe. And also, uh, and also Microsoft the, And then when Microsoft bought them, and I'm sure Sony definitely shut the door on it at that point. They're like, fuck you. Yeah. So anyway, cross-platform for all you PS4 folks or people with friends on the PS4, you got what you wanted. I expect everybody's eSports game to get better as a result. Moving on, let's talk about League of Legends. So this is not the first that we have heard of there being budget problems at Riot. I think the last time this came up is when the, it was announced that the English language broadcasters for Worlds would be doing it largely remote until the last couple of rounds of Worlds, and everyone speculated that it was due to budget constraints. So recently there has been a report by Superdata that for the year up to date, so at the end of August, League of Legends is making 21% less money for Riot Games Ouch. than they are this point last year. Now, 
to put it in some perspective, they are the number three game still in the world, so they're not hurting. But the amount of money that League of Legends brings in, 21% is a significant amount of money. And Riot in general has just been having some challenges, right? Like the esports side of things, not looking super great. Blizzard's making money, allegedly hand over fist from Overwatch League. They got the broadcast deal that clearly Riot left on the ground. Uh, the franchising thing has not been going well. We have heard about declining player numbers. Riot in general as a company has been struggling. There's been a lot going on with like the gender discrimination problems that they've been having, where they've had to bring in a special C-level person to handle a lot of their diversity initiatives, which, like, who knows, making penis jokes in presentations was a bad thing. There you go, diversity 101, Riot. Um, so things in general are like, looking a little rough for Riot this year, but this is the lowest year in revenue since 2014 for the company. Are we are we worried that they're starting to get some like real cracks in in Riot's armor here, especially when they don't have another game to to prop them up at the moment? Yeah, I think they're kind of they're, they're scrambling more so with that. We've heard uh, them talk about throw out ideas about an MMO and a couple other things. I mean, I think going in, you're not going to see them dump another MOBA into the market because that would just be cannibalizing their audience. They need to grow uh, financially, and that means getting into other areas. I think the worrisome thing is the fact that Tencent has started to pull away from them and invest in other areas. Yep. And they you can tell that, I mean, Tencent stock, uh, last I looked, was not doing really well this year. I think it was even down. And I think that largely hinges on the fact that Riot lost $300 million deal in terms of, uh, it was with the, what was the name of the, the group that now is owned by Disney? Uh, MLB. MLB. Yeah, yeah. Advanced Media Group. Yeah, I kept, one think, I kept thinking MLB. There's, there's BAMs and there's MLs and... All of those things, but I mean that's that's huge. They lost a ton, ton of revenue there. Yeah, and um, just the face that they lose with that too, right? Like, oh yeah, they struggled with that. And for Blizzard to go in and essentially get a broadcast deal with that same group because it's the whole ESPN, you know, ABC, Disney type situation, they were able to go in and, and get that deal. That's just like another, and they did it. I mean, Riot has cornered. The esports market, largely speaking, for many years. Like, yes, I get that there's Counter Strike. When you're talking about franchising and a single developer owning an esports ecosystem, they had everything they needed. And here comes Blizzard, messily, but still, in the span of a few months, puts together Overwatch League. And by the end of the season, books a television deal to have their world championships right. on ESPN, not ESPN yeah. Ocho, not on the fucking <laughs> streaming app. Like, did the whole shebang, and now we have eight more teams paying thirty to fifty million dollars to get into the Overwatch League, which is just going to make that deal worth even more money next time it comes around because there's more markets for ESPN right. to be in, which ESPN loves because these are all associated with different markets. Now we can argue about regionality later, but they get into these markets. That's not a good look for Riot on the esports side, especially. So I think here's a couple of things I, I would love to see Riot do or attempt. I think the first is is take some of these alternate game modes and make something of them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, especially the shorter format ones. And maybe that is these kind of one-off invitationals, maybe get some television deals or some kind of additional airtimes on it. And I think that would really, really help them. Right now, uh, League of Legends feels very stale, right? It's lost a lot of its just shine because yep. it one it's um it, and we saw this even like with world of warcraft right the people who get heavy into it get into it when they're younger and as they get older they lose time because of just they they have responsibilities yep. and now you start getting you're starting to see this, this is a 10 year old game this is where wow started to lose its its stuff as well well it had already lost it at this point yeah because it probably a bigger time investment in some way shape or form um 
But I mean, you you start hemorrhaging stuff in, uh, players because they don't have the ability to play as much. Now, I, I'm from a money standpoint on the actual game itself, casual play me, they're, where they're taking the hit. But if you look at it from an esports standpoint, most people don't have the ability to put in nine hours a day on a weekend to watch matches. Yep. And so I think the shorter format stuff, they need to do more with that. Um, could even shorten seasons, kind of condense things, move things around. I know they've moved some casters over to Europe uh, region to even help out, like Frost Kieran got moved. Yeah, I love LPL. the LPL. Yep. Yeah. Um, she's amazing caster. That's, that's a huge boost for uh, uh, EU LCS. And so I think like having some of those things is uh, key to them. They've, they've got to freshen it up. And I would even love to see certain things like, you change up your champion pools, so you start restricting, because there's a lot of bloat there, right? And I think it's also daunting for a lot of people wanting to get into the game. That will help. Um, even Overwatch had talked about that at one point in time as retiring characters yep. as you move along. And I think that would it's just something that would help get people interested in, moved into the game, because right now you got to know so many people. And so often, especially as toxic as certain <laughs> systems are, you hop in with somebody as not the current meta, and you get an earful. And... I, I, there, there are many changes that need to take place, and they haven't really made huge adjustments or any sort of changes really that would, would help shorten the game time and give them alternate methods of having tournaments and doing uh, having different uh, different streams of revenue. I mean, yeah. yeah, they've changed around how like Worlds works and so on and so forth um, and, and MSI and whatever, but it's it's not the same as having an invitational and one-off tournaments that could just nope. be cool. Like you could have your team like you normally like, but they're playing a completely different and think about game mode. And think about the crap we give Overwatch. Like we give Overwatch crap for being taking too long and the season being too complicated. And League of Legends is at like a whole another level with the amount of time commitment. Right. And if we're having these problems at the esports level, it's just the symptoms of the cracks that we're seeing at the base, which is like people are just getting tired of the game. It takes too much time to play and to play well and it's got this toxic community and it's largely with the exception of like putting new champions into the game until recently you know these new game modes they've been testing out it hasn't been super exciting and riot is not doing anything else and the one thing that blizzard has is this ability to drive people cross game with these promotions we talked a lot about this with heroes of the storm about how they're able to drive players to heroes of the storm when they do these promotions where it's like win three matches the heroes of the storm and unlock this overwatch spray or whatever and they don't have that ability to do that because they still have not put the s as they love to say in riot games and they are struggling and 21 percent of anything is a shit ton. 21% of the yeah. scale we're talking about with League is massive. And if that's starting to have downstream impact, which it appears to be from this perspective on the esports right. side, that's going to make things even worse. And if I'm a esports organization or I'm a professional sports organization that's bought into an esports org and I'm looking where to put my money and I look at the value that 100 Thieves is getting out of it or that the Golden Guardians are getting out of it with right. the Golden State Warriors versus what some of these organizations are starting to get out of Overwatch League after one year, you're a freaking ESPN as yeah. opposed to some Twitch stream that, again, we say this all the time, at some point the numbers stop mattering if they're not monetizable. I don't give right. a crap how many billions of people in China are watching Worlds if I can't make a penny off those people, right? I would rather have three hundred thousand tune into ESPN. Why everybody makes fun of this for not being a real sport that ads are getting sold against, and I'm making money from because I'm in it to make right. money, not to brag about all the Chinese citizens that are watching my game. 
on a platform I'm not even aware of that I can't monetize because, you know, I I have a sponsor in Campbell's Soup, and Campbell's Soup isn't going to sell anything to Chinese people. So it's it, it's something they need to really be worried about. And like you said, you know, the Tencent shine only goes so far, and Tencent has a million other things to invest in. Yeah. I mean, they're not stopping their growth at all. And, and not to be fair, League of Legends has done some stuff for onboarding people or, or, or changing their more guess you could say casual or newer player experience to bring those people in with the new uh um rank the adjustments to rankings and adding mm-hmm. a, uh, a wood rank i'm just joking it's iron but it's out of place but anyways <laughs> uh so you can now be an iron ranked player uh so i they're doing some things and the implementation of that means that they had the heads up and they knew like that, that's pretty recent um the the fact that it's it's landed now right around the same time that their numbers are dipping means that they saw this coming for a while so more than likely they have things in the pipeline they'll start changing things up i would just love to see different invitational different modes ways to prop up revenue and and even give revenue to different teams you buy in like these special events whatever it may be because as you mentioned the way for any company to really make more money it's way easier for them to make more money if they're able to make more money from their current base of people yep increase your your dollar per person essentially um versus trying to gain new people the acquisition cost of new people is right. going to be higher especially at this stage of a game that's going yeah. to be to to try to build more whales Yar. so we'll we'll see how this goes we'll see the impact that it has but i think it's gonna be a very interesting summer for league especially on the esports side because we're going to see franchising kick off in the eu so we're going to see how successful that's going to be, what organizations are going to get involved. We still have that prediction floating out there of how many you know world soccer clubs are going to get in because this will be the market for them to get into. Clearly, they are making an investment. I think you know the aforementioned caster moves from the LPL into the EU LCS does largely have something to do with the fact that they are going to be having more money and more eyeballs paying attention right. to the EU LCS, and they've got out their game there, and clearly they thought they needed to. So... It'd be very interesting to see where this goes, but I think this is going to be a very key fall for League of Legends. See how world's viewership goes, how the EU LCS franchising goes, what we're looking at going into the next season of the NA LCS franchising, and how it's going to compare to what Blizzard. I mean, Blizzard is about to go to BlizzCon and drop a bunch of news about what's coming for season two of Overwatch League. We're going to get all the branding for the eight new clubs. We're going to get any you know format changes there's going to be a new hero like it's and whatever world of warcraft's up to (laughs) yeah 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 so let's talk about that so world of warcraft has always been a weird beast in the esports world and there's always been these two tendrils that it has tried to put into (laughs) esports one of which largely has been arena and it is something we talk about this every year you and i go to blizzcon which is like i could care less about arena but it's fun when i go to blizzcon to watch it and it's one of the most watched esports when you just look at you know if i just look at the crowd sitting there watching it it's amazing the amount of people that show up to do that i I think well personally i think just it's largely because blizzcon skews very heavily world of warcraft yes for sure for sure but there's also the rating. Now, this is something they've done for a long time without us tagging it as esports, right? They have done whether it is a show match to have some, usually method, but they have some popular rating guild come in and either show you a new dungeon or show you a new raid or do a competition against some people from the audience or against another organization. And this year especially has been interesting because we continue to see this Mythic Dungeon Invitational get more and more and more viewers. 
Right. And both in an official capacity, you know, getting into the 50s to 60K streams, and when just the guild itself is doing it, which is getting into sometimes hundreds of thousands of viewers. Yeah. I think the original one, like, we, we talked about, it was definitely hitting around eight, like eight, 80, 90, almost 100. Like, it was definitely almost breaking that, that six-digit mark. Yeah, which was up like 30, 40K from when they did it in 2017. Right, right. Which right. is already better. Like. I know this is my favorite punching bag on the Blizzard side, but again, the amount of investment mm-hmm. that keeps going into Heroes of the Storm for yeah. pretty mediocre numbers compared to what sorry, you're getting. Jules. Yeah, sorry, Jules. We love you, but like the numbers don't lie. Yeah. And then you look at World of Warcraft and how well it's doing. And this last time that they did the Mythic Dungeon Invitational was pre a new expansion. Right. And now we know this always happens. Like a new expansion comes out, it, it spikes interest in World of Warcraft. And we're going to have raids, and there's obviously going to be something that happens at BlizzCon. World first and all the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's very interesting to me that Blizzard has this thing here that is showing numbers that are better than, with the exception of Overwatch, and even on some weeks, better than Overwatch, an audience that is largely untapped from an esports perspective. Like, they are not... I don't get... PR updates for the most part on anything going on in the Mythic Dungeon Invitational. I get a bunch of crap about the HGC. I get a bunch of stuff about Warcraft Arena. And the question I want to pose you is do they need to drop what they're doing with Arena or at least divert some resources and really start spinning up something? And if so, how do we take it beyond it being a show match, right? How do we take it beyond just like, hey, let's watch Method do this thing? And can we really do what they've been trying to do with the Invitational and make it more of a competitive thing where you have two guilds going up against each other is there enough interest in that is there enough guilds out there capable of providing high quality competition for this to be bigger than the arena so i think here's when you run into things like guilds let me back it up a second so one of the biggest lures to competitive e-gaming or esports, whatever you would like to call it e-gaming yeah i know uh <laughs> I was, you were saying something earlier. I was like, e-gaming. Like, that's a great term. God, can't ever let that one go. Um, <laughs> we need a t-shirt. Get on a D-League. No, essentially, so one of the big lures is, is you could possibly be in that, yeah, you know, you could be the one playing competitively as well. Like, that's a lure of Hearthstone. Anybody could pick it up and play it. It's not yep. about a reaction zoom, whatever. And so part of that is, like, the lure of, of World of Warcraft. A lot of people play in raiding guilds because they just want to be, like, the first to get through something, whatever. Yep. But it's very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's people from all walks of life. It's not like not everybody is just this, you know, esports toddler kid person who's, like, got magical reflexes. It's people who've just been playing it very long or for a long time or yep. whatever. So the lure of, of that is... Um, very much present in these these kind of guild raid runs because there's so many people involved and you have you're in a guild yourself and your mm-hmm. guild can aspire to be that and I think that's the allure of it and that's why people want to, would really enjoy watching it and that, which is why I think they there is a spot for it I think trying to spin it into an esports you have to be very very careful of because WoW has historically kind of well has historically catered to the casuals not so much the hardcore raiders right and it's always been their stance so their their group is more casual but they are interested in watching some of this because maybe they're learning how to do stuff in their own game so i or think for a lot of them, it may be the only time they ever see mythic could be yep. right and so it's they're getting to see content that they maybe play casually and i think if you really try to force in this like season and here's this that and the other i don't know how well it works and and you can't dump arena because right. arena is something that is 
uh, I was listening to um, DLC recently, and Jeff Kanai was like talking about how him, uh, how he's get, gotten really back into arena. Never really enjoyed arena at all, but like now it's his thing. He's really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you still have that option there. And, and I, but I think you're playing to a larger art, audience, which is rating, which is really the end game content, the meat of 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 your game. And so they they've. Do I think they need to kind of pump the brakes and stop it on arena and pushing it and maybe start doing more of these invitationals? Yeah, I think so. And I think MLG is primed to do that. I mean, all they've really been focusing on is Call of Duty stuff. Yep. Um, and you see the production level that they're able to spit out with with this uh, mythic dungeon stuff. And it's like... It's so much easier to spectate too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you can just go like, hey, here's an interesting player. Let's follow him for a little bit. But yeah. in the end, it's just it's fairly static. Like, yeah. and you just pull the camera back and you can watch what's going on. And it's you can show meters and all this different stuff. Yeah. And yeah. you can talk about different stages. Like it's I, there's there's so much there that can be done that is really cool and entertaining to watch. And as someone who's playing the game, um, who's played the game in the past, I still enjoy it, even though I'm not currently playing it right now. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like you said, numbers don't lie. The numbers that they got pre-expansion and post-expansion, which everybody is glowing about the expansion. Everybody's coming back to it that I yep. know of. I'm I'm trying to maintain a sake. life. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's I think it's prime. I think we're going to hear something around more invitationals, more stuff like this yep. for World of Warcraft. I know, obviously, the vanilla stuff is coming up. But there's got to be more. It, it, Blizzard has to be looking at this. They got a ton of content. There's so many interesting things they could do here right. because it doesn't just have, like you said, we have we have the new vanilla Warcraft stuff coming out, which will be huge. We have the ability to potentially have almost any old raid done from a showcase standpoint. Like it doesn't take a ton of work to be able to say, Hey, let's have them do Aldawar or let's have them do you know, Karazhan, or like they've done this in the past where they've resurrected old raids and, and made them better. There is, you know, Race for World First. There's a lot of documentary style content. I also think, and I want to be clear here, I know there's a ton of skill that goes into guilds and that goes into running these raids, but it's not the same Twitch reflexes that we're often used to. Things like the global cooldown, for example, like make things not so much about like actions per minute and things of that nature we might see in like a StarCraft or in a MOBA and make it more about like situational awareness and knowing what button to press at the right time. And while that is also largely existed in Arena, it's definitely not as like it's a different type of skill that goes into like targeting an arena and things of that nature but overall like i'm super pumped about it i think it's great another point that i thought is interesting here is if you think back and i always forget the damn name of this but if you think about the stuff they um alex albrecht did for uh wrath of the lich king and how popular that web show was because people were getting to see content they wouldn't have otherwise got to see right right right. and while this is slightly different in some cases because it's stuff that may be available to you but you may never actually get the opportunity to play it or when they do it as preview content which they often do at blizzcon people tune in for that stuff and i'd love to see more of that it's a shame we don't get to see more of that and i get why blizzard wants to control that content far more than they maybe did back in the day in betas but overall I think it's super cool, and yeah. I'd love to see more of it. I think that show, wasn't that show called, like, For the Lore or something like that? Or something I, like that? No, I, I, that's what I always think it is, but then I thought something that was lore. Joe's podcast. That's something lore. You're right. Is that, yeah, it is Joe's <laughs> yes, podcast. I, I always do it, and well, I can't remember the name. Well, uh, because Lorehound spun off, so it was definitely something lore. Yeah. No, lore was in it, but it was not that, and I go through this every time that I want to. <laughs> 
that I want to talk about it, and I can't for the life of me ever remember the name of it. Okay. Project Lore. Project Lore. There you go. See, I was I was mostly right. You were there. And then I gave, just gave a free plug to, to Joe's show. There uh, we go. See, Joe's <laughs> like, I got this massive spike in listeners. It was us. Don't yeah. Worry. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, well, I want to see more of this. we got BlizzCon coming up in a few weeks. I imagine we're going to see something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect any mind-blowing esports announcements around this, but... I mean, it'll still be cool. I was trying to get like average numbers on on Warcraft right now. I'm getting anywhere between like 5.6 to like seven or something like oh, that. As far as subscribers go, subscriber base. Yep. So I mean, if you think about it, you're just opening up to a, that kind of subscriber base, and you're able, like we talked about, you're able to get more engagement from them yep. and possibly pick up new people. And those people are far more into the game than in a lot of other games, right? Like, that yeah. game requires... I think the challenge for that game... That's why they get the best merch. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> True story. I mean, I just bought three months of it so I can get a stupid flying pirate ship. Oh, and I yeah. might play the game twice in the next 90 yes. days. You're such a sucker. I am a, that's why they say... I'm pretty sure I get targeted with special marketing emails because they just know how horrible <laughs> I am. The FOMO is real. They've, they've to, seen the wall. They, wanted, they want some of the, your, your Funko Pop money. <laughs> They're like, that guy needs less Funko Pops, more Warcraft microtransactions. All the pets, yes. Yes, yes, they are succeeding. So we've got a few minutes left. I want to touch on a story that we had in the backlog that's worth talking about here for a little bit. Um, So I was not actually familiar with this because I'm not super hardcore in my Overwatch play. But uh, over the past couple of weeks, they have been banning third-party apps that are targeted at players trying to get better at Overwatch. So specifically Pursuit and Visor were the two that I saw called out. And essentially what these game what these mods did is use artificial intelligence to and I hate when this term gets used because I'm not sure how if there's any neural networks actually involved in this. <laughs> uh, but sure, we'll go with that. I've listed machine learning and uh, blockchain in there as yeah, well. Yeah, so so we get yeah, all the buzz. Gotta have, gotta have the blockchain. Yeah, we're using blockchain to figure out what Diva's doing. Like that's totally what's going on here. So what you end up with is two of these apps that have been helping players get better at the game by showing them things like you know, their cooldowns on ultimates. A lot of the things, and this is what is interesting to me, a lot of the things that you see when you watch it as an eSport, right? Like, you see the status of people's ultimates, and obviously those are not available to the players, but I want to get your take on this first because I actually have a very strong opinion about this, but these apps have been banned by Blizzard, and they picked very we'll call it creative reasons for why these were banned. And there's been some contention about whether these things were actually happening for why they were banned. But what do you think about players using these type of apps? Uh, I think it's, it's fine largely because of uh, at any given time, like if you even listen to some of the players who uh, in, in terms of league of legends, they have someone dedicated on their team to, for, to watch like when Baron's coming up and things like that. Yep. When other people ulti and you kind of get it. So in high-end professional play, you have people who are keeping track of these things already. This is just yep, taking no death a, timers. Right, you know. right. They're taking a little bit of, uh, on, off of it. So it's none of this. Uh, well, I again, I don't know how much blockchain ML slash whatever you know, network <laughs> stuff is going on. Um, but what Visor claims to do is is it's not touching code it's mostly doing logs yeah. and so it's taking log data which essentially if you were playing you could keep track of yes. mentally and or with pen and paper now yep. granted taking your hands off the keyboard and mouse to write down diva just alted remember this or yelling <laughs> yelling do you, you don't have yes i do hand. i do have okay. so be careful a l e x a hey asking your echo yeah asking your echo to um 
remind me in however many seconds. <laughs> remind that, me in 38 seconds that the bacon will be done and the divas alt will be done. Right, right. Like you could technically do it. This is just allowing you to to do some of those things. But I mean, the precedent has somewhat been set though. They allowed a lot of these like uh like boss timers and stuff like that with World yep. of Warcraft. Yep. They allowed all these things to uh, the deck trackers and Hearthstone for a lot of the, before right. they had things like uh, with Reno Jackson for example, like before right. the game was able able to tell you if you had no duplicates, people right. had to keep track with deck trackers and they allowed and it. And their response was, "Well, technically you'd be keeping track of it with pen and paper." Ironically, when you get into professional play, they don't allow you pen and paper in terms of HCT yep. world. I mean, Dream DreamHack and saying like that do, but uh, Blizzard doesn't allow it. So you have to look at what is the real overall effect. Are we looking at is this causing a problem with professional play or is this causing a problem with just day-to-day casual play? And what are you trying to defend? And, and- why can't you separate the two is, is one of the things that I thought was interesting. Like, I would be okay if, say, Blizzard, let's say for a second, Blizzard put this in the game natively, which they could, because as we talked about, they do have a lot of this functionality available on the esports side. We see right. it literally on the screen as we're playing, so we know they can track it. And if they said, maybe in competitive, that is not available. But if you're in quick play or you're in arcade, you can have the ability to turn these overlays on yeah. so that you can watch it while you're training. Because I do think. It helps improve the biggest, I mean, outside of mechanics, the biggest problem for getting better at any esport, but Overwatch especially, is game sense, situational awareness. Correct. And this can help with a lot of those things as a training device. And I do think they don't like that they were doing it. But if you look at their argument, like Pfizer's saying, because they said they, they basically said, we banned you because you're using enemy location. And that is not allowed. And they're saying we're not actually using enemy location. We are saying, oh, this person died. We're just reading the kill logs. And from the kill feed, we're able to say that we know that D.Va will be back in a certain amount of time. Now, you can say who you believe and who you don't believe. Um, as with most AI companies, no offense, Visor, but as with most AI companies, there's a lot of fancy BS going on that is actually not happening. And they're just doing right. things that we could figure out normally and putting special <laughs> they words over, around they, it. They marketed themselves into getting banned on, on Yes, Facebook. yes, they did. Because yeah. they're like, actually, we're not as smart as we're trying to make ourselves sound. So I actually think that this is something I'd like to see in Overwatch because I do think it would make players better. Because I know when I play and I'm screwing around in quick play, I'm not keeping track of that person just alted or I'm not keeping track of like real death timers and how long it's going to take somebody yeah. to come back. And that would be a good way to make people pay more attention to that. And if you take it away from them in competitive, they're going to be forced to yeah. start internalizing that. And I think that's a good way to make players better at Overwatch. It it does. I mean, I, I, I agree to some extent, but I also kind of understand why they wouldn't. I think also knowing more things uh, about the game in terms of who has the ability to do what, when, so on and so forth, might make people a little more like salty from like a, a, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? We know this, blah, blah, blah. So some of it is a bit of a learning curve, right? Like um, I honestly don't, I I don't think like the increase of communication, especially in a shot caller role is, is a worse thing for overwatch. Like you get in a quick play, nobody talks kind of thing. Right. Right. Cause like, Um, I got everything I need on my overlays. But I think what they may be talking about is the minute you then switch over to competitive, you're without those things. So right. in your scenario, you're without them. And so you're, in, you're hindered quite a bit. Um, and it, it's really a total, it's a different experience, right? Um, 
you may watch a League of Legends match and think, like, this is totally easy. And you get into play, like, wow, this is a lot different. I don't or, know what Drake is next. And right. I don't know what the timer is on the Baron. Right. Like, you don't understand these things. And, and so some people might be misled. Even I think it happens quite often. People are misled at what is available in a game. And if you right. watch a CSGO match and watch how, how many, many times they have they, to mention that you can't see the... Right. You can't <laughs> see the the opponents. Like, we can see it, but they can't. Like. Right, it's repeated because some people hop in like, "Why isn't this available?" Why, Why can't does I it see look that like dude this? through those six walls? Right. <laughs> so I, there's some of that. Um, maybe. I, I guess the question that I think it turns on for me that I don't necessarily have an answer for is: Is it the availability of the information that makes you better, or is it what you do with that information when it's made available to you? And I think that's the or, difference. Or is it because, or is it that not everybody has it, and you're at an advantage by having it? One hundred percent. That's so. My yes. argument is for everybody. Native. Gets it. Yeah, native. Yeah. I get this. Like me having visor and but you not having they visor. They can't. They can't focus on that. They're trying to make the different colors. <laughs> no, I'm not really knocking them. I'm just. I. I think it's kind of funny. The the colorblind mode thing that yes, came out, like yeah, the, yeah. because of like, they're doing stuff, but they've been focused heavy on on really, the esports on the esports and yeah. not so much of stuff that might be letting up a little bit, but. Eh, I get it. I, I, I like I said, I can't make a super strong point, and I would love to hear other people's opinions on whether or yeah. not, like, is it that I don't know what the death timers are, that I don't know what the ultimate timers are, or is what I strongly believe would be the case, like, even if I plastered that in front of people, there would still be 80% of the player base that have no freaking clue what to do. What I, What's going to happen is we're going to get to BlizzCon, they're going to announce that they're incorporating all this into it, and that's why they banned it. it, it they, it happened with WoW, right? I know. With, I know. with certain things, they added, like, uh, the inventory system for, yep. like, your different outfits or whatever it may be, whatever fancy stuff, pets you buy. I don't know. Yeah. It's all, it's all about the pets. Yeah. Anyways. Got to get that parrot. Watch it come out, man. I'll laugh. It's because they listen to the show. We know this. We have this uncanny ability to give them ideas that they didn't steal from us and we get no credit for. I hope they don't listen to a majority of the things that come out of our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they had listened to us, there would be no Overwatch League because we said this is probably not going to work. And then like it would all be our fault that there's no sustainable esports. Yep. There you go. That's why you don't listen. E-gaming. E-gaming. It's all about the e-gaming. Oh, man. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. As always, you can catch our latest show over on iTunes, Overcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio. Tune in and at our site, nerfthis.gg. Um, and as always, we appreciate the reviews on the iTunes. We've gotten a few more five-star reviews over the past couple of weeks. Suckers. Is, I know. We have fooled you. You think that we know what we're talking about. Every time you give us a five-star review, Brian buys a Funko Pop. I do. And if, <laughs> we'll yeah. name it after you. <laughs> You're going on the wallpaper. That's right. That's what I'm saying. And also, of course, you can check out our other show, Esports Daily, which is available Monday through Friday on all those podcast networks, as well as a Echo skill. I have to be very careful how I say this so I do not trigger the echoes in the room. Um, it's a flash briefing if you want to check that out. That releases every morning, Monday through Friday. And Seven gets the awesome task on Fridays of telling you about all the weekend's esports events. Yeah, that's always fun because it's a <laughs> hard thing to curate. So. Actually, a little bit of an announcement. This is going to be our last show for a couple of weeks. Um, we will have some interesting content for you uh, coming up next week. We can't talk about what that is yet, but uh, rumor is there's some interesting stuff happening. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think. 
Yeah. I'm told. I, are you going to let me know? You gonna let I'll, me let you, I'll let you know. Someone's over here like, I didn't know we had an interesting and unique <laughs> announcement to talk about. Every week is unique and interesting to me. That is very true. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm glad. I, I love you all. I feel that way. That's so great. So, yeah. Uh, keep have it, we ended the show yet? No, we have not. Keep an eye out over on that Twitter's at Nerf This Crew uh, for more information. And, of course, it'll be available on all our podcast feeds when that announcement does drop. And if you prefer the old school way of getting a hold of us, you can do so on email. Show at nerfsys.gg. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. We'll see everybody next week. Maybe we haven't been fired for yet another episode of Memphis. Before we do go, I do want to say one thing. Hmm. Alexa, play Dolly Parton. It is. It's working. Alexa, volume 10. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> That's how we're going to end the show. <laughs> I don't even know what to do from here. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Nerf This. We'll be back. We should have got copyright. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to get kicked off the internet. So horrible. Alexa, stop.